0: Wow. All right, I think we're uh, I think we're good So uh you've been playing music in New Orleans for a very long time since you were very young that's what I heard so when did you start? uh first professional gig was I think I was 14. And were you into music before that uh, yeah what were you into What got um, you into playing? Uh, was I into playing music? Yeah. yeah, on my turntable. Yeah, but what were you into? What what what, what kind of turned you on about music from the beginning? Like, oh, well, fucking uh, yeah. the first the first real thing. You know, there's a lot of people my age at 55 that really tickled the shit out of me. It. it was like Motown and uh, you know, goofy music. You know, just. The goofier the better. You uh, know, kid more kid, you know, uh saying shake a tail feather baby you know to a fucking four or five year old. You know, I used to scream it at the top of my lungs Oh know? wow. And uh you know, all of that sort of goofy kid stuff, you know, and um you know, guilty pleasures like, you know, as a kid, you know, build you a buttercup, you know. You know that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. you know, that uh, stuff turned me off, and, and But, uh... There's that for y'all. Yeah. There's your extra cost. There, oh, right. yeah, okay. Good. Enjoy that. Got it. That's great. Uh, I actually asked, have asked that. I don't, I don't want to do You said Yes. I have that. So, um... And then, it, you know, it, it quickly became... It's the weirdest thing. It's almost, like, hard to say. But it became from really the heaviest stuff. But, and stuff. It really to the weirdness of all of that, and, but at the same time, I would, like, tune into, like, black radio and, and stylistics and shy lights and, and all that, you know. So. Uh-huh. So you were really into... Uh... That's a widespread. Yeah, it's a widespread. Yeah, I'm right out of the gate. But, you know, there's there was something really interesting about looking at like Killer or Love It to Death and seeing those covers and, mm-hmm. uh, and you know with Alice Cooper or Black Sabbath colors you know it's like well, know, be, what, yeah. what got you about it? what do you, what would you well do? first of all there were no distorted guitars like that prior to that Uh-huh. and if there were they were used like you know really sparingly <laughs> you know right uh, and they were probably done by putting razor cut to the speakers as my buddy Alpo tells me he did for years uh-huh. um, you just didn't hear heaviness like that uh, you know and it was also I realize now I don't know for sure but there was like some different things happening in the approach to recording whereas it used to be like the instruments really made the sound and you know the mics just like kind of caught them from afar and like uh, there wasn't a whole bunch of tracks on tape recorders you know so <laughs> as you know so they would they would go for like you know a couple of mics in a room and record bands like this so you know around the time of uh you know that stuff started coming out multi-track it was getting more and more uh prevalent in the recording world, you know, and they were putting mics right up against drums, and because I don't think they had any attenuators proper on the mixers yet, Mm -hmm. so the only way to not overload the input would be to put tape on the drums, and they'd tune them down really low, I mean, I was real attracted to drums, all things percussion. Just right away? Right away, oh yeah, well, you know, I mean... I was a nuisance in, in grammar school, just after kindergarten, uh-huh. because I beat on everything. Mm-hmm. I beat on the desk constantly. Mm-hmm. Um, I was a tap dancer, all that shit. Mm-hmm. Wanted to be a tap dancer. Mm-hmm. You know? Uh... Really? Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Well, what got you into tap dancing? It's funny, I had, a, I had a conversation with Johnny Vadakovich about tap dancing. <laughs> Well, um, without realizing that, uh, first of all, I had a lot of Uh energy. My sister was in the uh, dance, my older sister Deborah and uh, it was one of those ego moments where You know, pretty much everything was tap jazz and ballet, tap oh. jazz and ballet, all the schools. And jazz, the jazz dancing didn't really interest me. The um, ballet, I thought that was pretty cool, kind of athletic, but uh, tap, every one of my said I could do that better. Wow, great! And you know, it was a total ego thing, you know, where I'm like, you know. Okay, and it made racket. It made rhythmic racket. Mm-hmm. And I related to that, and I had already. And my father opened a bar. Now it's Harry's Corner. Yeah, corner is that on? Uh, Harry's Corner's is on uh, on, Dumaine, I think Dumaine and uh, and Charter's, like there. I think you're right. It's a, it's right there. I know it's right there somewhere. Haven't been there in years, but um had a great jukebox, you know, and, um, you know, growing up. You said up, that was your uncle's place, right? My father. Oh, your father out there. Oh, wow. He named it Harry's Place. Oh, really? Which there was even a song written about it. And how old were you when you got there? I was like four, and I started going down there. He'd bring me, you know, back when he'd Tack Amusement kept the, the music in that the jukebox. Uh huh. and um, the red quarters you know like the way the the club you know like a lot of times the bartender has to put music on because it's not playing quick enough and the customers aren't playing okay. so they had a jar of red quarters with fingernail polish on the quarters to <laughs> differentiate the club's money oh I see from the uh, from the um Customers money, which is the split money uh-huh. with the amusement companies. Let's see. And um, so I'd go down there and my dad would be doing various savory things like marrying the bar. <laughs> which is... Um, What's that mean? Essentially taking the half-empty bottles of Jack Daniels and filling them up the rest of the way with Jim Beam. Uh-huh, okay. You know, for that night of business. Um, and Harry's is uh, allegedly, uh, Benny Grunsch always told me, it was like the most infamous beatnik bar in New Orleans, you know, like the beatniks. man. Huh. And uh, <coughs> I was mostly there <coughs> just before opening and opening, when he was doing the marrying of the bar. Uh-huh. And uh, so I spent a lot of time there with customers coming in, the artists from the square. Okay. Know, I mean, New Orleans was nothing like it is now. It was lots of little crowds, you know, during the week. and you know, during, Well, I guess it's not much different like that during the day. But, it, you know, it didn't have any mob scenes. Uh-huh. And, um... So the French Quarter was very quiet. It was pretty quiet when I'd be down there. Right. And, uh... But there was there was always tap dancers on the street. So that's, like, my first endeavor. Mm-hmm. And, uh... I didn't know what I was doing. i just start shuffling my feet to make a sound. Uh-huh. And it doesn't take a second for a kid. Like, you know, when the crowd started coming in, when the people started coming in, you know, it go from, my dad would give me those red quarters and put music on. And I'd put on the music I on want, I'd go outside and start beating my feet and grab a pole, because I'd seen a couple of uh, <laughs> Fred Astaire movies. And I'd swing around, and I'd, I'd make sounds. I'd, you know, like with right. the rhythm. Yeah. And I do all of this crazy shit and, and a weird thing happened is somebody gave me money once. Yeah. So I was like, man, I got a fucking job. Yeah, always the the, the first thing. Uh, and my you know, and of course my dad, the first time I handed him a five dollar bill, yeah. so said, Look what I made. He like, what the fuck you steal that money, boy. <laughs> so no, I got it from dancing. And then so the drums started when when you were. It all, it's always been. Uh huh. You know that is drums. All right. You know it's, it's all drums, uh-huh. and and then uh, the next thing was you know like it went from that to my dad. Eventually, I started getting a little better at it, uh-huh. but I was still like most of the tap the hookers you see in a quarter one foot, not the left, just the right. You yeah. Know. Right. Uh. Still to date, I walk up to him with a $5 bill. I go, if you can do what you just did with your right foot, with your left, this is yours. Oh wow. And they can't do it. That's great, though, that you're still out there, you know, checking yeah. people out. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I still, still do it. Um but anyhow, so that's how I got my admission into the dance school. Uh-huh. Which was Anthony Alexander School of Dance, who was a funny old queen, man. He was funny as fuck. Yeah. You know, uh, same you always practice to the same song. I I know the melody but the name is me, but da 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 ba ba da da ba da ba da ba just varying tempos. Right. You know the oh, the wow. So that was the workout. I got pretty fucking good at it. Unbelievable. A um the way the actual drum kick came into play uh-huh. is, uh fast forward. My dad, my brother played piano. There's a lady uh, on the street, Miss Webb. And he's older than you. Four years my senior. Four years. So I would stand at the piano and we'd, you know, like, Betcha by Golly Wow was a big number and I'd sing it. But also, you know, like Alice Cooper and Chestnuts Uh and stuff, you know what I mean? Like, you know, Uh whatever was popular radio, because we didn't know anything about albums yet, you know. He wasn't the hippest guy. Okay. I wasn't buying anything but singles, New Orleans singles, at the one-stop record shop or at Russell's. Okay. Because that's the only place my dad would go shop, because it's jukebox. Uh You know. And when you say New Orleans singles, what were you picking up over there? Hmm. Um... Louisiana Singles. Uh-huh. When Pass Out the Hatchet it was the a big woman. one. Pass the Hatchet with a Right, because I've heard, I've been on stage with you doing that long. You know, anything that came out of, you know, uh, Kaz's collection, mm-hmm. or even um, Alice Bermuda's collection, they were, they were real prevalent then. And it had them the bins in the front of the store, uh-huh. like all the latest singles. Okay. And it wasn't uncommon to have the same thing on the, a side is the B side because no. okay. you're all on singles. Now, you know, like as a kid, from a kid's perspective, yeah. you don't know the whole country's not hearing this shit, right? You know, so when you pick up uh, say, one little could break or oh, you uh, know, or smoke Eagle and thing or something like that, you just don't know. Yeah. You think the whole world is here, <laughs> yeah. you know. And you love these songs as much as the Beatles, right? Stuff you know, uh-huh. but the whole world's not listening to it, right? Which uh, right? led to a, you know, a weird awakening much later in life. You know, I go, you know, like, being like New York, you know, like that groove on, you know, you go, nope. never heard of it. <laughs> so you know, that goes into a whole different thing. The beauty of uh, you know, people go, "Oh, what is it about New Orleans percussion?" This is like, oh, something in the water or something you know being close to the Mississippi but it was you know I'm convinced if we didn't have this mindset that we have in New Orleans that the Capitol building you know the one that um okay. what's his name the trio piano player chances are no, no not chances are um Nat King Cole Nat Cole uh you know the capital building that he designed would yep. be somewhere on the Mississippi uh-huh, uh-huh. if we gave a fuck. Uh-huh, uh-huh. You know because basically what you got is okay. We can we can start the record industry in New Orleans, but they don't care. They're not impressed. Yeah. So let's go where everybody's impressed. Up there. And you know they're migrating there, but thousands being movies still. Uh huh. You know let's 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 start it there. You know. Mm-hmm. But uh. You know, they talk about birthplace of jazz. Here's the birthplace of rock and roll. Uh-huh. Period. Uh-huh. You know, I mean. And how do you think that happened? That happened? By accident. What's the... Uh... Well, I've told you about the, the rapper Earl Palmer about the great rock and roll misconception. Right. You want to tell that story? Well, I guess. Shouldn't I guess I? I'm going <laughs> to. I guess I should, since I, even though you know it, that doesn't matter. <laughs> That's right. Well... I've I found out about Earl Palmer from Led Zeppelin. Wow, that's roundabout, okay. Well, if you do your research on John Bonham, after Led Zeppelin one or two, like every interview he talks about Earl Palmer. Okay. That's like his idol. Uh-huh. Now, I don't know this. I don't know this guy is living in New Orleans. I did at sure. that point already. I'm like, who the fuck is this dude from the Treme? You know? Oh. I found out that um he was on a lot of early rock and roll records. And uh <clears throat> there at some point, <clears throat> like after Led's up Zeppelin 2, there was an interview in Modern Drama where he's going on about Earl. So many years later there's like a reprint of the bottom thing. I don't know if he passed away yet or he just a you know. This is his untimely demise was coming. Or maybe it was because he was gone. And then, anyhow, they interviewed Earl and him. Like, it was like a trail kind of thing. They, they, re, they reissued an interview of John Bonham, and then they issued an interview with Earl. And at the end of the interview, it said, uh, and if you don't believe, you know, uh, if you have if you have any questions, just stop by the union. I'm the treasurer there. Come talk to me. Wow. So I'm in the band here. Earl Palmer was the treasurer. At the music. Huh? Earl Palmer was the treasurer at the music in in Los Angeles. Yeah. Oh, in Los Angeles? Yeah. Okay. Wow. All right. Okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you uh, know that little no kid. That, uh, yeah, he he pretty much retired early. Mm-hmm. You no, know, he saw an opportunity, took it. Yeah, he was the treasure. So um I went there and like poltergeist was a hit movie. Because I went there one day and I was like, Yeah, I'm here to talk to Earl Palmer. He said in this interview, if you have any questions, stop by, I'm a treasure to you. Right, oh woman walks to the back. It's an office, walks into the office, she's clearly talking to somebody, she comes out, he's not in right now. I'm like, okay, they're fucking lying to me, nah, that pisses me off. Uh uh-huh. Yeah. So uh, when is he going to be in? Is he going to be in today? No, he's not going to be in today at all. All right. Fuck this. So you know, like as it is in L.A., everything's kind of spread out a little bit. Right. Took me about two weeks to get back over there. I was in like Cantor's or something kind of close to the uh-huh. pop in, and you know, it got to the point where it was like the third or fourth try here. And they're they're back. Told the guys to whatever. And I had this old amp from a few years before, right? And I had had the damn thing with me, and so finally I showed up. So this is getting to the story. So he finally rolls his little chair back. He looks out the door, and he rolls forward. She goes, He'll be right <laughs> out, and he comes out kind of storming to the to the uh, window, and he says, "So what you want to do, man? Put drums together, and trade licks, or something?" I said, "No, you sitting here." You know, have any questions? Just come by and ask me. I'm more than happy to answer. Evidently, you're not that happy to answer. Talk for a minute. You know, he got a kick out of that. Uh, <laughs> we talked for a minute. Showed up at finally showed up at a Nervous Brothers gig. It's a Sunday show. This with the Brothers Noyves, which is Eddie Beatos. I subbed it sometimes. It was mostly Zig's gig, uh-huh. but Zig would be busy. That's when Gig was still in L.A. So I invited him down, and he came. And I immediately said, "Well, you sit in." And uh, he looked down, and he had these paddle leather shoes on. He goes, "Wrong shoes, baby." I said, "Oh yeah, my pedals tear my shoes up too." You know, so I related. And I went, "Oh okay," you know. I was like, Grass. You know, I, I want to hear him play. And he's there with Dennis Hopper, which was a great dynamic, too, because nobody, nobody even talked to Dennis Hopper's Musicians Club. Uh But they're coming up like, Mr. Palmer. Wow. (laughs) You know, and Dennis sit back with his arm forward, like, this is great. That's really true. Yeah. So, uh, anyhow, he eventually said, he goes, yeah, I'm going to see you next time. So I wanted to see what you were working with, you know. Uh I was like, okay. I I thought he had the wrong shoes on. He goes, that's just my (laughs) stockings. Wrong shoes. So, uh, you know that, and having been connected to Lee Allen a little bit, and knowing a few people, Irvin Charles, Uh a few other people, I knew. So you knew him from down here. No, I didn't know Earl from down here. No, but you knew the other guys. Yeah, yeah. And but let me see here. But you had started. I mean, when would you call it? Say that you'd started playing professionally, or, or. well, at 14, uh, I was in, uh, uh, my brother was in these show bands, like 50s and 60s music. Uh-huh. and music. Uh, and I basically, you know, we had to show a local master PA system from the strip bar, dad's strip bar. Uh-huh. And- uh, Well, your dad had a strip bar too. Huh? Oh, I flew now, no. Oh, Harry's was a strip bar, okay. Oh, no. after Harry's. Oh, okay. You know, it was like Club Mile Mile at West End. Then, it, you know, ultimately, he was down, he was on Bourbon Street on his strip bars. Okay. He did a lot of things. Brass monkey, brass uh-huh. rail, I mean, brass rail. Okay. Uh, you know, like a lot of things. uh uh-huh. But strip bars, you know, was a big part of his life. In fact, that was like the last thing he ran when he retired it was still a strip bar. Okay. Um. Anyhow, there was like this show band called the Bel Airs. My brother was in that game. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Lots of musicians came through that band, like you know, older guy Johnny Bear, uh, old drummer, great drummer, Play, played on "Past Past the hockey. Really, yeah, that really? is the drum on uh-huh. Pastor the But there's a lot of guys, you know, come, that came through that band, and I and I was hanging with them, and basically my role was a sound man. Uh huh. And every time they look for a drummer, I go, I can do it. I can do it, and and I, I'm a kid, I got no business being in these bars, you know, I'm setting them up, you know, and my brother's, you know, there, so my family thinks I'm safe, uh-huh. and so I got my first gig at 14 on a pickup gig, which was some of the guys connected to that got off in a job like two nights a week working, they got, you know, like all the strip bars they had little pits, you know, like the old theater types, like one Eye Jacks used to be a strip bar. Oh, yeah, okay. You know? But they had a little pit, so I ended up uh in a little strip, strip bar on two weeks. Yeah. It wasn't one-eyed jacks, but it was like right around the corner oh. playing in the band for strippers. Okay, well. And, you know, you play ba-da-ba, da da uh-huh. you, know, you know, pretty cliche stuff. Right. But, you know, they had live band still. Okay. They didn't use disco like they use right. today. Uh-huh. So... Uh, I asked my dad if I could do it and he's down there he's just around the corner and he said yeah you can do it you know pretty much you know any allowance for school you're going to have to start doing that yourself and you better keep your grades up uh-huh. which would never too far up so he wasn't disappointed when I sat down you didn't have to keep your grades up so uh, that's how it that started okay and uh, Benny Grunge did one of the earliest, earlier gigs the guy I work with still so you're still a yeah. Benny Grunge yeah So you were, uh, you had it together right away coming out, coming out the, coming out the gate now? No, I had it together right away. (laughs) Soon, like, I got, my first drum set was a hi-hat and a snare. Well, my first drum kit was a high chair with CDM cans. Uh Uh-huh. And then my second drum kit was a hi-hat and a snare and a suitcase that I fashioned an old pedal from this guy. Lenny down the street Rock. onto a suitcase. That was the kick drum, a bass, you know, more like a kick drum than a bass drum. Uh, and uh, that hi-hat and that snare, that was the first real drum sounds that I had, which took me literally to talk my dad into it because he spent most of his time trying to talk to me. me. Well, you, you already fooled around on the piano. You said, okay, that damn, he got one of those, uh, Hank Williams kits for my little brother. My little brother abandoned it, and I learned how to play guitar. Like I learned a bunch oh, of chords, well. right. so I was already playing. He's like, "I'm like, I'm more fucking play drums." Uh-huh. And he go, "Man, you got a carriage of thing. Now do yourself a favor, play piano, because at the time all the joints had them. Uh-huh, uh-huh. You know, he go, play uh-huh. piano or be a singer. You sing great. You know, man, I want to play drums. And he w- he just refused to get them." My first gigs, I was on a bottle kit. Well, I had a guy down the street that had a kit that actually caused a rift between him because I asked him if I could practice on his kit because he went to jazz and I was still in grammar school. Uh-huh. And uh, he got like, that's my drum. No, you can't play on the you know you kid know? shit. And uh, his father approached me and said, when you get off of school, you come here and you play. And you want to. I bought. Wow. So that's the first drums I ever sat behind, like real professional kids. Wow, wow, wow! It was a sparkling red Rogers kit, whole holiday series, you know, <laughs> which I still love those drums to date because uh-huh. you know, I mean, I wish I could get them off of him, and he still got them too. Oh, your case alone—that's great. Oh yeah, yeah. and um, there's no way. But uh, <laughs> so anyhow, so I ended up getting a kick hat just after that because I mean. From tap dancing and all, I walked to the drum set and the high chair, the, the kill.